Tonight, it's a sporting smorgasbord as the Blues dress for success. The Maroons take the less formal approach. Yep, the Origin mind games have begun. Jared Haynes' scratchy start to his Olympic dream. Nick Kyrgios wins but loses more friends. Pardon French. Is this a send-off offence? Not according to the AFL. Plus, we're joined by Olympic hero Kieran Perkins. It's the show that always aims high, but sometimes finishes low. Still, the door's always open on the back page line. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think we're not strong enough, but we just beat the world. Their sixes are gold. I got punched in the back of the head regularly. It was just unfortunate it was from a coach. G'day everybody, uh, welcome to the show. So much sport, so little time, so let's get straight into it with Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Hello and welcome to you both, lovely to see you. Julian Schiller uh, alongside James Hooper, very nice to Both see time. you, Hoops, as well. Uh, look, we have got so much to get to. We're going to get to the origin teams and their selections in just a sec, but uh, first, an apology. Last week, I expressed doubt about Jared Hayne and his latest dream, <laughs> Rugby Sevens for Fiji. But I stand corrected. Have a look. Jared Hayne, ladies and gentlemen, is a world champion. He is a world champion at Sevens. There it is in London. <laughs> Crash Craddock. There he is. He's pushed to the front. He has the trophy. He holds it aloft. <laughs> he's played Sevens rugby for 84 seconds and he's a world champion. And he's I so exhausted he can barely lift the trophy. <laughs> Did you notice that? He's still puffing. But uh, look, it, it's been fascinating, hasn't it? Uh, I mean, I don't think he'll be at the Olympics. He, he doesn't know the rules. He's not fit enough. Uh, but what I will say is, this has been one of the greatest things that's ever happened to Sevens Rugby. These blokes have been telling us for 20 years, no-one understands our game. You've got to be so fit, you've got to know the rules. This sort of proves it in a quirky sort of way. But, yeah, it, uh, a, a bloke reckons that... Well, here he is, in fact, uh, just coming in from the, the side there, penalising. Look, the problem was he doesn't know the rules and he do get found out if you're trying to be an Olympian without knowing the rules of the sport. <laughs> he did... Look, he had, that was a terrific moment, you see, there. He does have a couple of moments. This, I think, uh, Hoops may be the longest run he made. Yeah, a lot to sharpen up on in obviously a short period of time, Tony. He's only got six weeks to try and make that squad. But I'll tell you what, Crash, I still get the feeling there must be some sort of wink-wink, nudge-nudge, handshake deal done behind the scenes. Jared will be on the plane. It's too great a marketing opportunity for the Fijian Rugby marketing. 7 side to really? let that go. Really? To let that go. Look at all the publicity he's already attracted. So, right? what, you think you're number one pro? I'm not saying he no, necessarily you're... has to feature in every single match at the Olympics, but I reckon he'll be there. Kelly, oh, are you going to say it or am I? I think, can you leave it for me to say? Sorry. They're going to want a gold medal, yeah. Fiji, before they want Jared Hayne in that team. Surely that's their priority, not marketing, because Jared Hayne... Out of a squad of 12, out of a squad of 12, how many will actually play in the Olympic How many final? of them are world... How many of them will actually play in the Olympic How many final? of them are world well, seven, class? I would have thought. There was... <laughs> <laughs> you're, allowed a, you're allowed a couple of reserves <laughs> as well. Look, he, he's clearly not a... I can't believe how quickly everyone's turned against him. James Hooper. What? I haven't uh, turned against I haven't turned against him. I just said I think you'll probably make the side. Look, How's that turning against him? He's playing for Fiji. Like, as an Australian trying to make it in the NFL, I was supporting him. But now he's a Fijian trying to beat Australians in the Olympics. Why, why should we be supporting him? I've got nothing against him personally, but he's now our opponent. But if he's eligible to play for Fiji, then why not? I mean, he is clearly a world-class athlete at whatever he does. He's not a walk-up start at the moment. He's got six weeks. If he can get his body fit and ready and, and he's a legitimately 
you know, makes that team based on his skills, then good luck to him. He but if he doesn't, really, if he doesn't he, make it... Shouldn't he just pull the pin now? I've achieved my dream. <laughs> he's he's held the cup. Move on to the next <laughs> thing. I reckon sure. secretly they've really enjoyed having him there. There was a feeling that amongst the rugby boys that the Fijian guys were just cruising towards the Olympics, a little bit comfortable. The coaches loved putting him in there, the acorn on their seat. But Hoops, I just think this is just too far for him. If he does get in, it's not on ability. It won't be on ability. I'm not saying it will be hey. on ability crash, but I just think he's a rock star. He's X Factor. He provides something that nobody else Hoops. in that Fijian. If he does get in, can. can you just tell me where the story lies in terms <laughs> of Australian sporting up, history? Though. Because <laughs> the NFL <laughs> dream was what? Right. Well, well, we're going to have Kieran Perkins on later in the show. It won't be Kieran Perkins. No, it's bigger than Farlap. It won't be better than Farlap. Look, I might have overshot the runway a little bit, though. I know Neil Armstrong said that he only landed on the moon compared to Hain. If he doesn't make it, I'm hearing there's a spot on the Tongan dressage team. That's his next dream, apparently. Polynesian equestrian events. Jared Hain, in his defence, he did look a little bit reluctant to celebrate the World Championship when that trophy was thrust to him. This boxer in New Zealand, he showed no such reservation. Look, I'm a winner, and up I go. And down I go. <laughs> and back under her. And this is what I love. He goes all the way around the outside, back in. and oh, yeah. uh, Winning an undercard in New Zealand, that would be a big moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Rumble in the jungle. There he is. Well played. All right, then, let's move on. The story everybody is talking about, of course, is state of origin. Every so-called expert and every second pub uh, bloke in the pub has picked their New South Wales team over the past month. So it was a bit of an anticlimax when the real one was announced uh, yesterday. How will they go? Look, let's just have a look at some vision today, Crash, because you're our body language expert. There, look, they're very well-dressed tourists at the, uh, the big banana, New South Wales, looking resplendent. And this is Queensland, <laughs> their official uniforms <laughs> arriving for their official ph photographs. Uh, the, the team about to be announced. Uh, what do you make of it? Tony, why do New South Wales do it every year? They spend the first four days dressed up as funeral directors in these suits <laughs> and they look as stiff as boards, they don't so they? They uncomfortable. They, they do, in yeah. the heat of coughs and all that. And, and we laugh at it when we take the mickey out of Queensland. But it's just work for them, that casual vibe. Like, every time I see the blues, they're hold on, hold on. It's not straight. going to be too casual in about 50, 50 minutes or half an hour, whenever it is, when the sides are when Officially they'll be, Yeah, they'll be kitted up. They'll be looking mm. sharp and snug. They won't right. look as good so, as these. Look geez, they these look stiff to me, the, They've got the it's, pocket uh, kerchief. Well, mate, you'd be looking stiff too if you'd lost nine of the last ten <laughs> Essentially, they could be walking to the gallows. Have, have they picked the right team to change that? Oh, look, you want to support the team tone, but obviously everybody's got an opinion. Very surprised at the inclusion of Dylan Walker. Yeah. does appear a little bit of an old-fashioned Bozo Fulton rort there that uh, Dylan managed to make his way into Laurie the side. Says he it's hasn't his been, I know he does, but he hasn't been in tremendous form. So, yeah, certainly a surprise there. But aside from that, like the inclusion of Matt Moylan, like the inclusion of Adam Reynolds, James Maloney's in great form. So they're not without hope. We had a funny moment with Dylan Walker the other day in Brisbane uh, when he's up for Manly. He had to interview him on stage and the punters could ask questions and this big truck he rolls in, he goes, hey, Dylan, can I ask you a question? Why has your form been so absolutely disgraceful? <laughs> <laughs> and Walker just looked him in the eye. There was this magnificent stare-off and he said, yeah, I've been a bit flat, haven't I? <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you'd have asked him at that point what chance he'd have been for Origin, Walker would have said zero. Like, well, he, he, just, he just didn't feel in the same hemisphere as Origin. Well, all the talk was when he story. signed with Manly, right, when he signed with Manly last November, all the talk was that he was going to be in the New South Wales State of Origin side. They were even talking, because he began the season with the Seagulls as a 5'8", Tony, yep. they were even talking that that was one of New South Wales' weak spots. So yep. it would be a perfect fit. But 
on form, very hard to have him in there, Kel. All and right. he's gone from overdosing on prescription drugs just last year to being in the Origin team. So, so it's a I mean, great positive. It's a hell of a bounce story. back. Yeah, it's right. it's Warehouse sponsoring him. So that's, <laughs> yeah, right. that's right. Panic stations crash, obviously, in Queensland. Mass changes to their team. You imagine will be officially announced by new coach Kevin Walters. Pressure on him, obviously, hiding to nothing. Uh, they're the team before the announcement. They're up and ready to go. Oh, I First thing I thought of when I saw this is, remember the old eight days, Nardi Beatson, where they wouldn't touch a ball for about four days and it was just party time early. So the, the team hasn't been announced yet already they're training. But, Kel, they've gone with a, a solid combination. Uh, eventually, they may fall off the cliff, but if they do, they've earned the right to fall off a cliff, if, if you know what I mean. Kev Walters has said, I'm a rookie coach. We don't need rookie players as well. At what point does the dynasty end? Because it can't go on forever. Yeah, yeah. Th th it'll be like the Aussies one day in England last year where... They've earned that right. They go on. They've got all the credit points and then just go, go down. But, but I, I still reckon they'll get this series. You reckon they'll get the series? Oh, look, it's hard to argue, Tony, considering the results of the last decade. And when you've got champions like Thurston, Cronk, yep. uh, you know, Boyd slots in at fullback Greg Inglis, it is going to be a hell of a, a task. And what about the right. odds for next Wednesday night? It's $1.92 a piece. It's yeah, at ANZ Stadium. Home. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. home ground advantage. The Blues do have a hope. Uh, on home turf. <laughs> Listen to you, you ran out of petrol halfway through that We're not even teasing you about your hair. <laughs> it's despondent. <laughs> Laurie Daly's uh, always looking for the greatest technological advances for training, so maybe he should have a look into this. Robot dummies that chase <laughs> players across the field. Isn't this brilliant? This is, I think, Pittsburgh Steelers. This just has to work, doesn't it? That's gotta hurt. And then, <laughs> it is a little bit like the Daleks as well, isn't it? It works brilliantly. Wow. Right. The Cronulla Sharks are top of the NRL ladder for the first time in 16 years. And that's the last time in 16 years I'm ever gonna say that again. <laughs> Sitting just below them, uh, Melbourne, who stomped all over Parramatta's hopes and dreams last night. Uh, oops, for Parramatta, it's just that dream of getting in there with a loss of 12, which will be confirmed shortly, uh, and this man making his comeback, but a shoulder injury as well. Yeah, well, 12 from 15, Tony, all of a sudden becomes 12 from 13. Yep. Just looks a, a mountain too high for the Eels, and obviously all these off-field distractions, uh, front page of the paper, Saturday morning, Kieran Foran, and obviously a hell of a lot of money being gambled out of his TAB account, and then Corey Norman jags the Quinella, excuse the pun boy, down at Star Casino over the weekend, and he's pulled up with whatever uh, those tablets that are in the container that he was busted at the metal detector with turn out to be. That's now the subject of a police investigation. There's a lot going on. Yeah, that was a terrific crew uh, he was with, and Junior Paulo. Strong squad, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Fair few organised crime types there. Yeah, that's, and, uh, it's not, not exactly the Last Supper, is it? But I... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of different patches there, yeah. Tony, allegedly. Yeah. Christmas so... Imagine if Santa was in the middle of that and there was a Christmas <laughs> yes. tree. It was like, Merry Christmas. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So the Corey, the Corey Norman thing, though, that was with the police, so we won't find out for a little while while that's being tested. Well, Corey's maintaining that he actually didn't know somebody... too many of those people, but Junior Paulo, another one of the Parramatta players who was there, well, he certainly uh, knows quite a number of those people who are at that dinner. So, yeah, we've got to wait and see what the police come back with. It is currently still under investigation. And just, just quickly, I don't know what any of you think about the Kieran Foran thing. Is that my business, how much he gambles? Oh, I, I must say I was stunned by it. A guy just out of rehab, 75000 Now, there's been talk of legal action against the paper. 
If that happens, the paper will strongly defend it. The They're very solid with the, their facts. Against those who've leaked the story, the paper. Yes, absolutely. The paper is very certain about their facts. Yep. You know, the issue with Four and that gets me is he's still captain of the club. Hoops now. He's a guy under immense mental strain. Should he stand down? Should he be stood down? Like to be captain of that club with everything that's going on in his life, all these issues. Well, he's only recently appointed Crush, but in relation to the story that was on the front page of the paper, I think you'll find that the story that's certainly doing the rounds now is it wasn't actually Kieran who was gambling. Certainly it was his account that was being used, but he's got some friends uh, that are otherwise undesirables. Some of them are actually banned from gambling in New South Wales. Were they at that dinner? They're the people, <laughs> no, they weren't, but they're the people who are actually placing the bets. Certainly Kieran was in their company, but uh, the school authorities, he was actually under instructions and it wasn't actually him who was putting his hard-earned... <sighs> messier and messier it gets. All right, look, there's uh, not enough good sportsmanship in the world today. Maybe this is why there's a South Sydney's Kirsam Avaa. Look, he's good enough to help Jason Knight uh, back to his feet. The ball's gone dead. The problem was uh, Josh Dugan's taken the quick tap. They go the full length of the field. That's Kirsom in the background. They run straight through the hole where he should have been <laughs> rather than picking up for Jason Nightingale. Timmy Lafayette goes the length and puts the ball down. It's a beautiful, beautiful advertisement for sportsmanship, isn't it? It is, yes. Just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've got an even better example, uh, actually, of terrific sportsmanship backfiring. Now, remember when Ortiz, he tried to give Mayweather a hug mid-fight. Mid Look, I love you. Boom. Oh. Boom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the love there? Bang. Look at this. And down I go. There you go, kids. Sportsmanship. Waste of time. All right, um, I'm standing by my call to let Nick Kyrgios play at the Olympics, even though he keeps shooting himself in the foot. Now, this time, it's all over a towel at the French Open. Kyrgios makes his move, winning both the points on Cecanato's serve. Kurt violation and sports my conduct warning, Mr Kyrgios. Apologies for the fun language you may have picked up there. I did nothing wrong. It's so like talking to my six-year-old son. Uh, what do you make of that? I mean, it, it, he's just a young bloke. Oh, go. His reputation precedes him, doesn't it? And uh, he's only got himself to blame for his reputation. But unfortunately, the situation I think Nick's in at the moment, he only has to look at someone a bad way and it's headline news right around the world. So... Um, Cal, at the risk of stating the bleeding obvious, he's an idiot, he's a wanker, he's a smart-ass, <laughs> and that's what most of Australia you, thinks. You danced around Everyone that I talk to, <laughs> everyone that I have a beer with or have a yak to about this guy, I want to warm to him. I know he's got talent. I hear all the tennis inner sanctum people say, oh, he's really a good kid. He'll win a major one day. He's gone from number 40 in the world to number 19 in the world this season. He's beaten more top 10 players this year than everyone other than Novak Djokovic. So his record's first class, but the theatrics... On and, the court. and it's a kid He's as a well. We're forgetting that it's a kid. Mm. I mean, you know, in sport, you can be bratty, you can go to the refs, you can probably go on adult spectators having a go at you. But when you, these are. These are young kids who are volunteering. Oh, oh the and ball boy. Yeah, the ball boy. And, yeah. that's, and he's screaming at him. It's unkind. It's, it's unpleasant. 
It's, it's, it's not like it's I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not defending him at all. I think it's been for Nick Kyrgios' death by a thousand cuts. He hasn't done one major yes. thing that's, you know, sackable. You look at what footy players do. He hasn't been drinking, hasn't been driving, hasn't been doing but anything. You know what, he's, he's, every time he's, he's he goes on court, every time he goes immature. on court, he's representing Australia. Whether he likes it or not, he's playing for his country. And when you look at the wonderful ambassadors throughout tennis history for Australia, the likes of, you know, take your pick, Ken I was thinking more Ken Rosewall, Pat Rafter, those style yeah. of, of absolute gentlemen. This guy's doing it. He did. Look, serve. Nick Kyrgios, he did explain uh, his actions after the game. Have a listen. You know, every time I get the towel from a ball kid, I say thank you. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you're a bit frustrated, you do obviously, you know, not scream at them, but you, you do get a little mad at them. But, you know, for me that time, I didn't get mad at all. You know, I just said it a little louder. The crowd was, the crowd was going on. And, you know, if we're going to play by the rules, you have 20 seconds in between points. So... I'm not going to wait for the crowd to quieten down and then get my towel. You know, so I just felt like there was a bit... That was a bit rough. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but I reckon that's a, that is a seminal moment in the game, I reckon. That's an umpire who is just fed up. And all the umpires apparently have been talking about it. They're mm. just sick to death of him. Now, it and was so probably, they should do that. So Absolutely. they should. And you're yeah. right, this is the, the most experienced umpire, Carlos Ramos. He has officiated the last four Grand Slam finals. So I wonder whether it was a deliberate tactic, putting on first, yeah. his first outing, and as yeah. soon as he does something, jump yeah. on top of it. You are, you know, you were worried about the ball, kid. We do actually have an exclusive pick of the ball boy in question. He was nervous. All right, if you think uh, Kyrgios has issues, have a look at Carlos Belloc. Now, this, can I just point out, this is the second point of the match. Second point. <laughs> <laughs> it's 15 love. <laughs> he smashes the racket. Obviously that zen moment he had <laughs> listening to Enya before he came out. <laughs> just to get in the zone. <laughs> he broke another racket in the warm-up. It was brilliant. All right, uh, along with Kyrgios, uh, Olympic gold medalist Michael Diamond also shot himself in the foot. The trouble is he was actually carrying a gun at the time that he did it. <laughs> this is a story that just gets weirder and wilder, Crash Craddock. It does. Look, fellow shooters have been worried about Michael for a long time, but the old syndrome of a small sport protecting its star, you know, trying to nurture him out of trouble, and they should have really taken action against him long ago, I'm afraid. For the life of me, I cannot see how it can go to Rio. I mean, we've just talked about, you know, Nick Kyrgios, who's in danger of not being going. Well, he, he wasn't drunk or carrying a firearm. I mean, that's, that's the offences here. And to make it worse... Michael had his firearm confiscated in 2003 and only just got to the Athens game. So shooting's got a completely wrong perspective on Michael. As recently as two weeks ago, their officials were saying, oh, he's a chance of carrying the flag. He I'd love to zero. see that. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see that. Australia. Then he comes out, a cigarette and out, a flag here and a shot Beautiful. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, I don't know if you're trying uh, to compare the two situations, but you can't compare Kyrgios and Michael Diamond. These are serious yeah. charges that he's facing, yeah. and it's now a matter before the courts, and the courts will decide, and I can't see under whether he's... I mean, you wouldn't think that the courts will be finished court action before the Olympics, but um, guilty or not guilty, he he won't be going to the Olympics. Well, so. Russell Mark, and you did a story, Crash, obviously saying that there's been some problems for some time... And on top of that, there's that kid, 17-year-old, I think he's yeah, just Mitch turned now, yeah. who uh, thinks he should be qualified ahead of him anyway. Well, Mitchell Isles yeah. uh, outshot 
uh, Michael and Adam Vella throughout the last year. He, he's appealing to Cass. There's a, there's a case coming up. And uh, he's the future, this kid. And, and I did speak to Russell, Mark, and Russell and Michael have had a famously testy relationship. But, but a couple of weeks ago, Russell met with Shooting Australia and said, you're going to think I'm biased in saying this. You've got to act on Michael now for his own sake. He needs urgent help. And, and he said they wouldn't listen to him. So as far as Kitty Chiller is concerned, we can honestly say that diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. <laughs> oh, it's been a long time riding that. It's been a long time. Uh, I can hear the tippy tap yeah, of the was good, yeah. on that fella. I was going to sing Shining Bright Like a Diamond, but I decided against that. <laughs> another week, another apology from an AFL player after an on-field atrocity. Now, Port's Tom Jonas is... Uh, was that the tribunal tonight, Kel? That shocking hit was. on Andrew Gaff. Look at this. What has happened to him? He got... Six. So this is the biggest suspension for 2016 in the AFL. He takes his eye off the ball, so you cannot argue against the fact that it was clearly deliberate and you need to take into account that Andrew Gaff was knocked unconscious for two minutes. He laid there unconscious. So that is uh, scary stuff. Now, it's brought about the conversation because of the ensuing melee, which happens all the time when somebody does something and their teammates rush in, and you kind of expect that. There was fines handed out today by the AFL. But then the discussion that if there is a send-off, which there isn't in the AFL at the moment, if they can do that, that may stop that ensuing melee... Uh, Gil McLaughlin has kind of come out and put and hosed it yeah, down. Yeah, he was against it. He didn't like the idea. I can see why people are raising it because why is it fair that Andrew Gaff doesn't take any part in the game anymore and um, Jonas gets to play on in a sense? But I don't know. I don't like it because it, it would be a brand new rule. You know, a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to AFL and Jonas well, got cops his whack tonight at the tribunal misses six Yeah, weeks. but all the other teams get the advantage of him not playing and the West Coast, the team that cop the aggression, don't. I, I think it's going to come into the AFL. It's already in junior football, the send-off. I mean, this but is... But it's in the NRL hoops and it's in the NRL. What, what, if, what if the yes. same player, and I don't think it would happen, but what if he... There was another reportable offence... I mean, how many reportable offences in a game before an umpire has the decision yeah, the ability to remove a player? It? How often do we see it in the modern game these days? I mean, we've seen, like, really nasty incidents tw twice this year. That's it. So I would say, you know, it's pretty rare. I don't know. And how do you determine it? You, would, you can't just... It can't just be up to the... Um, referees, referees in World Cup finals determine to send a player off, yeah. which is a global event, and they have that power. I think, you know, for you a home to... and away or even a grand final, an umpire can make the decision. I Not mean... a split second, though. You'd have to go to the video umpire, and then that takes, you know, a couple in of football, minutes. football, they make a split second. grey area. I don't know. He was un... That's a pretty easy decision. He's unconscious yeah. before yeah. he hits. If you were going to send it off, that yeah. would be a send -off. As I said, they do it in the NRL. They have the send-off rule, but they haven't been using it at all, really, have they? All right, uh, great game, actually, coming up on Friday between undefeated North Melbourne and the Swannies, uh, who got past an emotional Hawthorne at the weekend. Uh, it was an interesting game, wasn't it, Kel? And a lot of it was about Jared Roughhead and his health issues. He turned up. He was there, obviously, to lift the spirits of his team. Absolutely. And I guess this is what we love about sport and what we love about the AFL here is that it brings people together and there was an overwhelming amount of support for Jared Roughhead, who's in for the fight of his life. And he was the... Uh, Great tribute to the number two for Hawthorne. He's won four premierships, so he's dearly loved at this club. And in the second minute of the second quarter, warm applause, which we saw, Tony, we were there at the SCG last year when they did it for Adam Goods, yep. who missed... It was such a big statement, wasn't it, yep. when he missed that game? Um, so, look, I guess, you know, we certainly... Everyone rallies around him and we wish him all the best. Yeah, indeed. And Tony's finally mentioned those two words that we never mention on the show each week. North Melbourne! <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, suddenly they're there, aren't they? We, we go Hawthorne, Sydney... 
box on. <laughs> but, oh, sorry, what are you, nine from nine? Yeah, North they're North only North? two games clear at the top of the table. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> All right, Heath Grundy uh, came back from an ordinary performance against Richmond to one of his best against the Hawks. Uh, he, he let Jordan Lewis know about it very late where Lewis gets caught holding the ball there, free kick against him. Uh, Lewis did have the perfect reply when he gave him a bit of lip. Can't quite see it there, but it is, if we see in the, uh, the still photograph, Jordan Lewis going, yeah, it's just a small matter of four premierships. Hasn't Grundy won one? And didn't he... So doesn't he get to... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can do it, but he's got the perfect... <laughs> the perfect comeback, really. He could have had that comeback. It's a healthy touch of arrogance about your boys, Jules, isn't it? They're, they're an arrogant team. <laughs> well, I think they've been... Yeah, well, obviously, they've got a few issues at the moment, but, yeah, you would never write the Hawks off, and I hope that we talk long and hard about this in the coming weeks. All right. I, I, I liked this Swans fan uh, looking for a selfie with Josh Kennedy. Look at that mullet. That's it's one of the best mullets I've seen since Warwick Kappa, or wow. time. It's that a is beauty, special. isn't it? Hoops? Absolutely beautiful. It's business at the front, rob a server. Party <laughs> <laughs> and, and you would know Jules being an Adelaide boy, I guess, back, back in the day. Did you ever uh, go business at the front and party at the back? No, I never did. Really? No. Oh, let's have a look at a photograph. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a middle class mullet, isn't it? Just a bit wispy there around yeah. there. Oh, you're leading with the chin. <laughs> go, go, gadget neck. You've got to be careful what you post on Facebook. The young Julian Schiller. All right, uh, loving the story of Collingwood's American import, Mason Cox. He's doing some great stuff, Kel, isn't he? He is. He's only been playing this game for 18 months. He's the tallest player in the league, 211 centimetres. This is a super intelligent man. He's also, he's also a smart footballer, here. and <laughs> yeah. this is the first time ever he bounces oh. on the MCG. Can you believe he was able to pull it off? But um, he uh, he was offered a very lucrative job as a mechanical engineer um, 18 months ago before he left uh, um, the States, and he said, no, thanks, I'm going to ignore that and come here and see if he can make it. Still works one day a week as an engineer, so very, very grounded, and he is keeping Travis Cloak. Yeah. who is on a big money at Collingwood out of this team at the moment. Do we like the American Pie name? Because American Pie is either the day the music died yes. or a movie oh. where a guy puts his genitals into some pastry. So it doesn't seem to be the best... name. I know we're going to struggle with the surname Cox to come up with a nickname, but I think we can do better than American Pie. He, uh, he got some attention from his opponents before the, the bounce. Well, Have a look at this. This thing. is the start of his fifth game. Yep. Had a bit of doubt on his left hand. It was sore during the week. But look at the Geelong defenders just charge at him, absolutely ganging up on him. They're swarming him there. Trying to get the sore Just hand. trying to rattle him. He's played four games, for goodness sake, and um, it didn't work. Well, it's a sign that uh, he's doing something right. Beautiful. All right, look, there's nothing funny, nothing funny about an umpire slipping over. Look. Uh, here he comes in. Whoop, Steve, not, not funny. And he did actually go down. It's <laughs> not funny the second time. So I don't know if it'd be oh, look, He did actually. He's all right. Everything was all right. If it makes him feel any better, here are just a few other slippery moments in sport. Uh, English cricketer Samit Sam Patel. Look at this. Forgot to wear the spikes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 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 and, and the run out. Uh, high oh, jump. Oh, <laughs> always good. Always good. Yeah. Uh, and very upset as he uh, <laughs> goes straight into the bag. Beautiful work in the high jump. This was Robert uh, Chiriot winning the show. <laughs> 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 marathon. Hit marathon. He's gone all that way. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> Combining two events at once is brilliant. He still did win, though. Congratulations. <laughs> All right, coming up on the show, Kieran Perkins joins us. The Aussie cricket team for Sri Lanka is announced, and this week's top five, plus the moment, it's every pole vaulter's nightmare. Our boys has become the sporting mini-series you can't turn away from. The last two instalments have been golden point. The second meeting in the regular season. Scots of Granville. Janet Holran reaching out. Looking out to the right-hand side. That is there. Just again. Wide ball from David Malfoy. How good. Even with the Broncos leading by 12 early in that second half, it just seemed inevitable this would go down to the wire. The last three games decided by one point. It's amazing over the, those last three games, the scores of 17, 16, 19, 80, 21, 20. Just phenomenal, these two. It's an epic rivalry, isn't it, Tone? And I'd argue it's actually probably the greatest rivalry in Australian sport at the moment, whether you go to AFL or you want to go to other codes. Uh, just absolutely special performances that these two teams are able to produce every time they meet in a solitary point in the last three meetings. It's sensational, Crash. And Thurston just got belted the other night, and he just keeps getting up. I mean, there's been some beautiful tributes to him, but the one that stood out to me is Wally Lewis said, above everything he does, he plays the game without ego. If there's a grubby last tackle to be made, you see his hand sliding into the highlight reel. He doubles back. He was belted about 30 seconds before he kicked that field goal. Last year when he won the Premiership, there was just the slightest suggestion, people wondering, Will he come back this year or will, it, will he be totally satisfied? He's as hungry as ever. Yeah, he's gone to another level. Yeah, it's brilliant. We mentioned that the Sharkies are, are on top. Melbourne's there as well. But those two teams, they still smells like grand final again. They definitely they? look just a fraction yeah. ahead of the rest of the pack at this stage. You touched on Cronulla. What a wonderful story they are at the moment. Eight in a row. First time they've been on top of the ladder, Kel, for 16 seasons. Uh, obviously, the, the Porsche light's flickering and maybe somebody's going to pull <laughs> Harold Holt out of the surf at Cornell. <laughs> but um, the Cowboys and the Broncos, they do look as though they're the yardstick. Brilliant. Now, you you mentioned the Sharkies. They are obviously getting it right on the field at the moment, but they've still got some work to do with their banners. Uh, here he comes. <laughs> Why? Oh. <Just> <laughs> Why the plastic? I just, it's never going to work. Sure. It takes <laughs> to get through. Because obviously in the AFL, it's the, the, the crepe paper is the way to yeah, go. Yeah, definitely the way to go. Sadly, though, there are some, still some stiff bits in those in the AFL banners. These are the girls at the weekend. Whoop, up the top. Oh, number four on the left. <laughs> yeah. She comes First through. time out into the MCG, yeah, super excited. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> it is good, isn't it? I want to mention that game with you uh, a little bit later in the show, Kel. All right, the Australian cricket test squad for the Tour of Sri Lanka has been announced. No massive surprises there at all, Crash? Interesting choice, though, Moses and Reese. He, yeah. he was injured to miss most of last season. He's very, very fortunate. Like, he's done next to nothing. And... He's 29 now. I remember when he was 17, he was catching the bus to New South Wales training. He's been coming, 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 but just hasn't got there. And I think this is a leap of faith in him. OK, he's only back up to Mitchell Marsh. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised to see his name. But... 
Victoria won the Sheffield Shield, but yet no Victorians in it. I wanted to ask you, Crash, a great man that once sat at this uh, at this panel, David Hooks. Hooks, he had this great theory that when you became played for New South Wales, you got a handshake with the uh, blue cap on your head, and then in a brown <laughs> paper bag, you got the green baggy green as well. Oh, I think there are only eight New South Welshmen in the squad, though. <laughs> uh, it, it is. You, it's hard to to argue against that tonight because he's very fortunate, Moses. Another New South Welshman, Stephen O'Keefe, very good selection. Uh, underrated for a lot of years. Nice to see him recalled. No-one wants to be part of the one test club, which he was. I think there's 90 players in it. Everyone wants to get at least two, and he'll get two on this tour. Yeah, there's room there for a couple more New South Wales people. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United has won the FA Cup, beating Crystal Palace 2-1 at beautiful Wembley. Uh, then celebrated by sacking manager Louis van Gaal, which I thought was terrific. Uh, what about the game? Yeah, look, it wasn't one of the best FA Cups. There were a lot of hiccups along the way, and Crystal Palace, of course, were um, they were upper man. Man, you got a, someone sent off, and they were deep in extra time. I would have hoped that uh, Millet Yedinak would have been the first ever Australian yeah. captain to lift the FA Cup with that beard that sort of hovers between hipster and gets stopped by airport security, sort of between the two. Uh, but, uh, but he's, you know, like, he's still a great story. An Australian to lead out a team as captain on an FA Cup final yeah. day is just, was a magical experience. And for Van Hal, who was, of course, contracted till the end of next season, yes. uh, he's gone. He released a cho- statement saying... chosen one. Gone today. Not officially announced, but... You know, Man U, as big as they are, Mourinho, as big as his ego is, it's a marriage made in Manchester, <laughs> that one. And I think I think Mourinho will be coaching him next year. Palace uh, manager Alan Pardew, look, he fell into the premature celebrations trap. Uh, the little dance here, have a look, they went... Uh, a goal up in the 78th minute. He got hammered on social media, of course, <laughs> no. once they, you know, go to a draw and actually lose the game. Imagine Ange Postacoglu doing that. It's, it's good, so isn't it? I <laughs> actually... With worms sort of squirming around. Yeah. And... <laughs> good moves, good moves. All right, 90,000 people in that crowd at Wembley knew when to start singing the national anthem. One person didn't. Sadly, she was the one with the microphone. Come in there at the very end oh, yeah. just to nail just it. To stop getting beheaded at technical difficulties. Yeah, I mean Leicester City had Andre Bocelli, and she was a, like eliminated from the X Factor a few years ago. So I mean you feel for her, but surely the FA Cup could have got it better. Everyone than else on the ground was singing, singing, weren't they? And she was blissfully in her own the world. The band was just there. There was a band just there. I don't know how that happened, but you do feel for her. It would have it been terrible. Goal. All right. Now, Hibernian fans have waited 114 years for their team to win the Scottish Cup final. So when they did, uh, in what was an amazing game of footy, uh, did it right at the death as well. No surprise that they uh, got a little bit carried away. They tried to hold them off, but on they come. You've got to go onto the field after your team wins. After, yeah. And you've got to take some of the field. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. Take the goal if you can, obviously. Sell it on eBay. Well played. All right. Uh, there was some, some concerning news tonight regarding Melbourne Cup winning jockey Michelle Payne following a race fall yesterday. Now, she had posted, I think, on Instagram when she was going to hospital. She was... Uh, 
uh, complaining of uh, pains in the abdomen. What's happened, Kel? Well, when you, I mean, we're talking about a national hero, aren't we? So when you hear this news, you definitely hold your breath. But she has had abdominal surgery tonight. She'll be in hospital in Melbourne for another week. But we are hearing the news through that that rules her out of going to Royal Ascot, which would have been her first visit, which I know, speaking to her over summer, she was absolutely looking forward to as one of the highlights of the year for her. So, fingers crossed, speedy recovery. I want to Indeed. see her back out on a horse. Indeed. All right. Casta Semenya uh, was impressive again, winning a Diamond League 800-metre race on Sunday. She made it look easy. Uh, too easy, some would say, Crash. This is one of the biggest stories looming of the Olympics. Look at this girl. She's an absolute powerhouse. There's the suspicion she could win the 800 metres by 10, 20 metres, but her sexuality is the issue. Uh, reports about four or five years ago, when they did a gender study on her, indicated she had internal testes, but no womb. So it's a vet and extremely high levels of testosterone, which are more akin to a man than a woman. She had medication to keep it down, but now she doesn't have to. That rule's been suspended. So she's become a force of nature. And, uh, Kel, it's, a, it, like, it's not her fault that she's born the way she is. We've got all these drug stories out there where criminals involved. Mm. This girl is just who she is, but it's a complex issue. It is a complex issue. It's a gender issue. And, it, I mean, it's not black and white, is it? No. But you do. Your heart goes out to her because she's a talented runner. Yeah. She's always identified as female. So yeah. it's not like she's doing world-class, world-record results. I mean, what's the alternative for her? She doesn't identify as a man, so you can't necessarily put her in with the blokes to run. I don't think there's any other option. I'll tell you what's interesting. When we discuss this issue privately, you expect someone's going to go, she deserves the right and blah, blah, blah. But you just... It, it, I feel sort of slightly uneasy about the whole thing. And I'm not for or against her, but it's Which a is, strange issue, isn't it? A bit like the castle when Denudo said it's like the vibe of the thing. Like, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with her, um, you know running and she deserves to have that chance and there's nothing wrong with some female athletes saying, well, maybe there's an advantage. You just... The, the vibe of the thing feels slightly off and you, you think... You hope it's resolved for both parties. Yeah, Athletics officials on... are terrified. Yeah, it no, will they... be an ongoing story crash, there's no doubt about it. Look, I reckon pole vault uh, would have to be one of the most difficult events at the Olympics anyway, really. Uh, here's why. This was American pole vaulter Sandy Morris uh, over the weekend. At... The way that pole snaps then comes back and hits her on the shoulder, uh, it's just so painful, as you can see here. Snap and bang. Ooh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. She goes over and shows people this. Uh, it's a nasty, nasty thing, the pole vault. I don't know why anybody would ever start Doing a lot yeah, of hits on YouTube, though. It? Let's look at the positives. Lots of YouTube hits on that. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Epic fail number 422. Well, as you might have guessed, does lead us to this week's top oh. five. <laughs> Ways the pole vault can go wrong. Look, we start with being rear-ended. This is even a more sensitive cool. area. Oh, suddenly it's not so funny. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, gentlemen. Number three, uh, putting all your body weight on the bar. <laughs> it's always going to end up a bit ugly. Two, look, then there's being uh, smacked in the head by the ball. <laughs> Get it from both ends here, bang. And boom. Look, and number one, uh, this is just hanging on for the ride. And we've got a trifecta of the man in the helmet first. <laughs> and this guy, I love the way he just disappears out of frame. <laughs>
<laughs> and finally, this guy's riding it for all he's worth. Hang on. <laughs> Special guest, the great Kieran Perkins joins us right here in the studio. Here was the champion we all remember. All his troubles left behind. Kieran Perkins leading from the start in the marathon of pool competition. I've never seen anything like this. Standard salute, Australia. His winning time, 14 minutes, 56.4 seconds. What a way to finish. It was Perkins' sweetest victory of all, the end of a long and difficult road to Atlanta. My heat swim wasn't great, and I, and I really had to fight hard for tonight, but uh, I'm pretty damn glad it's all worked out. Yep, it's 20 years since that remarkable piece of Australian sporting history, and the man himself joins us, Kieran Perkins. Hello and Evening. welcome. Thank you. Just, just having a, a look at that, uh, it was absolutely incredible. Standing there on the blocks uh, on Lucky Lane 8, <laughs> 14 minutes and 56 seconds earlier than when you won, yeah. did you believe? Look, at that point, standing on the blocks, absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody can front up for an Olympic final and win and not, not know in your heart you're going to do it. Um, you know, three hours, 14 minutes and 56 uh, seconds earlier, yeah, not so sure. <laughs> Um, there, was, there was a few, few, few little wobbles in, in, in that sort of time frame, but yeah, I, I got myself sorted out and, and, and mentally was, was ready to race and, and, and race in terms of, right, I, I will leave nothing on the table. When this is over, this will be the best I've got today. Um, if I win, fabulous. If I don't, at least I'll know that there was nothing else I could have done. Did you like it or did it sometimes get your goat, the fact that you were... People were chasing you all the time and there was perception you were the guy who was going to win. Yeah, look, it, it, it's a funny thing because there's no doubt um, it's easier to hunt than be the hunthead, you know, and, and staying in front and maintaining the rage can be a real challenge. But um, to be honest, I mean, the reason that I, I managed success over an extended period, I think, in, in my career was because I was actually more interested in what I was doing and how hard I could go, how fast I could go, um, as opposed to being completely consumed by, you know, winning or beating uh, a specific person, which, um, you know, in many ways was why the Atlanta situation happened because I started worried, worrying more about losing yep. than just getting on and doing what I needed to do to swim my best. There was a time there in Australian sport where you couldn't mention your name without mentioning Grant Hackett and you've both done so much for your event but also your sport. What, what have you made of his ongoing uh, life stumble since he got out of the pool? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I don't know Grant well enough to sort of be able to say whether, you know, these are all just, you know, moments where he probably should have put the last drink down and it mightn't have uh, gone the way that it did or if there's something deeper in there. But... I do know from my own experience that, that that transition to life after is extremely difficult. Um, I think for all of us, we go so long. And, and I mean, you know, I, for me, I swam for 20 years uh, where your life is structured, um, supported. You've got this, this direction every day that, that you know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then you wake up one morning and all of that is gone. Um, how you how you adjust to that, how you cope with it, how you get through it is is um, um, you know it's not an easy thing. But um, what what you'd like to see, I mean, you know, there's there's two angles to it, isn't it? Yeah, there's one one side of it where you sort of go, 
it doesn't matter who you are, you can't get away with that stuff. You know, you got to yep. you, you got to behave according to what society wants. But on the other hand, who's you know who's who's there to support and sort of pick him up and drag him along and say, hey, mate, we need to do something here. This can't go on. So, were you guys ever close? I mean, we know the rivalry, but were you ever close? No, and, and it's actually one of the the, the, the funniest little uh, side notes to, to our career because I'm I'm actually the same age as his older brother Craig. So Craig and I had a rivalry and we knew each other and I'm fairly certain that we, we weren't ever and won't ever be on each other's uh, Christmas card list. But <laughs> but Grant, you know, I, he just was this young bloke that appeared at a time when I, I was aware that, you know, my, my career was rolling to an end and I I didn't have any, any sense of concern or animosity because, you know, there's always going to be someone younger coming along and it was great to see the legacy keep going. You know, he could have waited four more years to own that legacy but such is life... <laughs> Kieran, what about drugs in sport? Did you ever swim against anyone you thought was on drugs? And what about the view to the other side of the pool deck, the ladies' competition? Mm. There was a lot of talk of it in your era. Did you see anything suspicious or, or feel that way? Look, you did. I mean, I, I, I didn't try to worry about it or address it as an athlete because if you stand up on the blocks and you look at the bloke beside you and go, well, he's got an unfair advantage, he'll beat me, you, what's the point? So... It wasn't really until after the fact that you kind of addressed it in your own sport and there was, um, um, Evgeny Sidov, you beat me in the 400 in Barcelona at the Olympics. He, you know, muscle meltdown and disappeared out of uh, the radar not long after that. And Jorg Hoffman, um, who I, I had a, uh, some good ding-dong battles with through the early 90s, also um, sort of put his hand up later on and said that there was some stuff that happened in East Germany when he was swimming. But What about the women? Oh, look, the women, it was far more obvious. I mean, I, I will never forget for as long as I live, and I, I can't remember her name, though, but that, you know, that Chinese swimmer at the 94 Rome World Championships who got out of the water racing Susie in the 200 Butterfly. And I, I was standing behind her as she walked across the pool deck away from me thinking, man, I wish my shoulders were that big. How good does she look? <laughs> really? um, but uh, she, not he. It was, um, it was, it was pretty, pretty obvious and pretty appalling, unfortunately. Kieran, speaking of East Germany, and I'm, I'm going to lower the tone a little bit here, because <laughs> um, Laurie Lawrence told me this story, and I just I have to know whether you think it's true or not. Because obviously you swim faster. If Laurie said it was true. It must be true. <laughs> <laughs> obviously you swim faster when you're higher in the pool, the buoyancy, yeah. you know, which is yeah. why the suits worked. He said that in 1976 there was a rumour at the Olympics that East German swimmers were using a bicycle pump sort of up the clacker <laughs> to fill up intestines <laughs> and no, organs to get air bubbles inside them to swim higher on the pool. And I Googled it and there were a few articles about that room. Is, is, that I, a, I, is that an urban myth in swimming? The, well, the rectal pump was where we went tonight. <laughs> I, uh, no, but is it I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, well, so on, on, a, on a more savoury note, um, <laughs> there was, there was a, a, a long period of time where swimmers would take, uh, would eat or uh, drink or whatever, consume bicarbonate of soda so before they swam so that you had that effervescent kind of... I wish Grant well had guts. I mean, I, I, would it have helped them? I doubt it very, very much. I mean, you, you consider how much buoyancy you can actually gain exactly. from that. It's kind of... And it takes pumping what, yourself up. What of, what of the, current, <laughs> the, the current crop of swimmers? Uh, there's been high expectations about what will happen uh, in Rio with this lot. Now, obviously, in the an event which is, uh, that you mastered and Australia has been so long powerful in, Mac uh, Horton has yep. done very well. Oh, look, exceptional. Um, knocked me down uh, to third on the yeah. all-time list, which... But you're uh, not bitter, which is good. Which was, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sort of look at it from the other side. I mean, my God, how old do I have to be before someone finally gets there? Yeah. So, no. <laughs> great swim. Um, you know, he's really taken a big step forward and um, 
And, and uh, Jack McLaughlin, who came second as well, you know, is, is sort of ranked fourth at the moment. So we actually have... We've got two guys who are on the way, but Mac, Mac is he's a smart swimmer, um, works hard and, and is impressive. And I think, um, you know, looking to Rio, he's ranked number two in the world. Um, the Italian guy whose last name I would just kill if I tried, Giorgio, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is, is a couple of seconds up. But if, if, if Mac can keep the momentum he's got, um, absolutely, we're, we're a good shot of seeing um, Australia um, certainly on the podium, but hopefully with a, with a gold in that race again. And that expectation of, you know, a much improved performance, do you expect that? Look, I, I wouldn't want to put that sort of pressure on him because I think, you know, we've got to, we've got to let the but athletes the evolve and keep going. But oh, from the team perspective, absolutely, absolutely. Look, I think when you... So you, you look at it from the top down. So, you know, um, John Bertrand's come in as president. He's, they've taken on board all the advice since London, um, changed what they're doing. New head coach come in, new structure. The team is, is speaking differently. They're acting differently. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's athletes that are really stepping up into realms that we probably didn't even expect. I mean, you look at someone like Cameron McAvoy, you know, first, first guy to win the 50, 100 and 200 at the trials. He's ranked first in the world in the 100 and the 200 and just got the French swimmer, um, Florent Manadou, who's, you know, that just, just, just in front of him in the 50s. So all of a sudden, we've got some belief coming into the team and that's really quite exciting. Kieran, you worked at Swimming Australia for many years. There's been so much talk about the Aussie swim team and the culture within it. When you were in there, it was obviously really strong and terrific. Is there an issue there leading into Rio? Look, no, not now. I, I think that, you know, once you learn your lessons, you know, and there is, there is no hiding it that in London the culture got away from them and it impacted the way that the whole team performed and they don't want to do that again. Mate, uh, it's always lovely to talk to you. Thank you so, so much and all the best. I'm sure we'll catch up again very, very soon. Absolute out-and-out card-carrying champion, Kieran Perkins. Stay with us. We've got another champ, the champ of the week and our epic fail. They're next. Welcome back. Time now for this week's Epic Fail. And you may remember last week's recipient, Michael Saunders of the Toronto Blue Jays, <laughs> uh, his Falcon catch attempt. There it goes straight through. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in a first for Backpage Life, he's gone back-to-back Epic Fails after this. Look at this botched throw. Oh, <laughs> in the field, look at it. Custard arm. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time we've ever had back-to-back Epic Fails. Congratulations. All right, uh, Kel, just quickly, the netball, the rematch of the grand final rematch. Yeah, forget Origin. State yeah. of Origin's happening this Sunday. Sydney Olympic Park, they've sold 10,000 tickets for the Swifts and the Firebirds. It's a rematch of the grand final Epic from yeah. last year, so they probably break an attendance record. Massive. All right, it's time now for our champ of the week. And we've gone for a woman of considerable versatility, former Australian cricketer Jess Cameron. She kicked six goals for Melbourne against Brisbane in that exhibition match at the MCG. She's got off both feet, Kel. Look at this. Bang on the right and on the left before. She says she was just out there having fun. Did a great job. Played for Australia and smacked sixes. What would you rather do? Hit a six at the MCG or kick six goals? She's the only one that's done both. Brilliant work. All right, sadly, that is where we have to leave you for this week. Thank you so much for your company. We'll be back next week with the great man Wendell Saylor, head of Origin One. This has been a production of Fox Sports.